a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We are in the final half hour of today's episode, episode number 256. Very pleased to be back with you after the long weekend. If I'm honest, as I have worked through the events of last week and I have come to come to terms and tried to come to some sort of understanding of what happened, I don't think that we will ever have a complete and thorough understanding of exactly what happened. Uh, but we all know and I think can accept uh, pretty universally that it was heartbreaking and tragic and all must be done to prevent it from happening ever again in the future. Think we can pull that off? I sure hope so. As I was saying goodbye on Friday, moments after I signed off uh, and went about enjoying my weekend, I got a little note from Twitter announcing that they had made the decision to to ban President Trump from that platform, to remove his ability to communicate via the Twitter platform. I had had a conversation earlier in the day, I think it was Friday, with uh, Dave and Dejanovic, and the question was uh, when you know Twitter and Facebook were announcing that they would be uh, banning or at least putting the president in some sort of timeout for a time. Uh, the question was, do they, do they have the right to do that? Can they do that? And when it was 12 hours or a day or up until the inauguration, my thought was, and remains still today, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Twitter's a private company. Facebook, that's a private thing. Uh, that's not the government. You know, they can do what they will. They can make the decisions that they will. And that attitude was supported uh, by a professor who joined Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News on Friday to talk about the ban. There are some very fundamental realities that stem from the ban, or rather, there are some very fundamental answers to questions that stem from the ban. Here is Professor Carter talking about what Twitter has the right to do or not. Twitter is a private company, and uh, they have the right to allow or not allow people on their platform as they see fit. And so... um Really, that's just a decision that's up to them. The Constitution certainly allows them the right to choose who they're going to amplify in terms of speech. The ability for them to make these decisions is not a power granted by the Constitution. I'd like to I'd push back a little bit on what Professor Carter there had to say. It's not that the Constitution or U.S. statute allows it. It is that it doesn't prohibit it. Does that make sense? It's, it's a fundamental and, and really nuanced difference and distinction, but it is not that powers or rights are granted. It is that they are not restricted. 
you go back to like the founding fathers, they had some uh, debate on 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 how exactly we should understand that uh, that that principle. And because it is nowhere prohibited that Twitter take the action that it did, it is you know under no obligation to to avoid that behavior. And so it was, and so it is, that you're going to find yourself in many conversations about the actions of not only Twitter, but I have a long list of social media and Internet-based uh, platforms that have said, uh, you know what, we're done with the president. Yeah, you, you won't be communicating via uh, our platform. I'll share with you a more comprehensive list of that in just a second, but uh, I want to share a little more uh, during the same broadcast of Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news on Friday, uh, Royal Oaks from ABC News uh, was on there and he poses the hypothetical, uh, did Twitter go too far banning the president uh, and extending that ban beyond inauguration? Here is uh, Royal Oaks discussing that question. I think they may have led with their chin when they made it permanent because everybody is interested in lowering the temperature between now and January 20. And for them to say he's gone permanently, I think, allows people to criticize and say that really went over the line. On the other hand, to the extent there is a legitimate debate as to incitement of riot, uh, and now we know today he won't be at the inauguration and people are speculating, is that some sort of code phrase for let's get violent at the inauguration? You can defend Twitter's statement there uh, through January 20. Now, here this last statement or this last thing said by Royal Oaks during the exchange he had with Jeff Kaplan on Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News this past Friday, talks about the First Amendment. We know very clearly that it is the government that is bound by the First Amendment, that you and I are guaranteed, uh, with slight exception, but you and I are guaranteed for the very most part the ability to communicate our thoughts and feelings, our viewpoints and our positions and our attitudes without fear of the government censoring us. The government censoring us. Very basic question asked of Royal Oaks here. Does the First Amendment apply to a private company like Twitter? A lot of people think, uh, actually, that the First Amendment doesn't even apply to Twitter because the First Amendment only says government may not restrict the right of free speech. But things have gotten murky. As we know, these social media platforms may not be sued under the federal law that some people want to change. So that's in flux. Uh, And as a result, everything is murky. Does the First Amendment apply? Was this going over the top? Uh, As you suggest, uh, a vigorous debate is going to be happening in the near future and beyond January 20 as well. My question to you is, should the First Amendment uh, apply to private companies? Or more specifically, should we be able to communicate freely on platforms like social media? Did Twitter and other social media platforms go too far in banning the president's ability to communicate on their platform? I want to hear from you. 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. I'm also going to open up the phone lines. To wrap up today's show, you're going to have a chance to weigh in on this. Uh, Social media is responsible, not just social media, uh, but Internet-based companies and purveyors of information and various platforms are all taking very strong action against uh, the president and some of his supporters. In just a moment, I'll read through uh, some of what these various companies are doing and the new policies that they have enacted. I want to hear from you, and the question is, uh, was it right? 
Is this what should be happening right now? I've also put this question on Facebook, interestingly enough, uh, and the, the responses are pouring in. Your turn to talk after the commercial break at 801-575-8255. 801-575-8255, KSL Talk. The question is, is the Twitter ban appropriate? And I'll expand that right now as I walk through a list of various other companies that have made similar decisions. Reddit. You, you know about Reddit? Uh, Reddit's broken up into these uh, different groups, and there has for pretty much the entirety of Uh, President Trump's administration, there has been a group focused on supporting the president, sharing news about the president, debating the president. That's been entirely removed. The group has been uh, totally kicked off the platform. Reddit said that uh, their site-wide policy prohibit content that promotes hate or encourages, glorifies, incites, or calls for violence against groups or people or individuals. They Term, they decided that that was taking place in this group, and they threw it out. Twitter, as you know, on Friday made the announcement that their platform would permanently ban the president's accounts, effective immediately. This was Friday and into the indefinite future, likely forever. They also provided a breakdown of uh, of their rationale, an overview and an assessment, and ultimately the determination, uh, and it all uh, stemmed from uh, the, the, the last uh, both videos and comments made by the president via Twitter. Uh, if you have a chance, uh, read that. It's, a, it's interesting, and it's, it's a good opportunity to, to read that, understand their rationale, and ask yourself if you agree with it. Uh, Google, Google, here's how Google has weighed in. Google has pulled Parler. You, you know about t- Parler, I'm sure. It's that social media app which, was, which has been... Uh, used predominantly by conservatives, uh, Google has pulled Parler from uh, the App Store, Google Play. In fact, their comment reads uh, from Google, In order to protect user safety on Google Play, our longstanding policies require that apps displaying user-generated content have moderation policies and enforcement that removes egregious content like posts that incite violence. Part of Parler's uh, uh, draw has been there's been very, very minimal uh, oversight and moderation. The list goes on. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Apple, Pinterest, and others have all taken action against the president. What do you think? What do you think? Is the Twitter ban appropriate? 801-575-8255. 801-KSL-TALK is the number. Quick break. Back with your calls here on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. The question is very simple. I have put it on my uh, Facebook page, which is a little ironic today, I guess. But uh, the question is, is the Twitter ban appropriate? Is the Twitter ban appropriate? You know what I'm talking about. On Friday, it was announced by Twitter that they would be permanently removing from its platform uh, the profile of real Donald Trump. Uh, the president of the United States no longer uh, able to use Twitter as a communication platform. That uh, was also the case, or that has been also the case with other social media platforms uh, and uh, and other online companies. All of them uh, barring and banning the president from their use: Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. And the like. And so, my question to you is this: Is the Twitter ban appropriate? I've opened up the phone lines. Let's go right to those phones right now. And if we have time, I'll go back 
uh, to uh, Facebook and also the text message line, 57500. Uh, the Utah Community Credit Union text line has uh, been lighting up. So feel free to weigh in that way via Facebook or get on the line, uh, 575-8255. First, uh, we'll go to Shane in Harriman. Shane, welcome to the program. How are you? Good, Lee. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm happy to hear from you. Tell me, you think the, the, the ban should have been put in place? I do. Let me just say, Lee, I love your show, um, and I I absolutely do believe that the ban was necessary. Uh, to answer your question with a question, do you feel like the insurrection would have been as enormous had it not been for um, President Trump's ability to com- communicate via social media? You know, I'm I'm no good with hypotheticals. Uh, I really have a right. tough time with hypotheticals, and I, and I think sometimes both for uh, the, the the folks involved and the respondents that it ends up being uh, a little dangerous to dabble in hypotheticals. So I'm going to decline. I'm going to decline your question, uh, but I understand what you're saying, and uh, and that is I think a worthwhile uh, a worthwhile kind of avenue to to travel down. Uh, would things have been different if this had been put in place earlier? Uh, I'm terrified of hypotheticals, so I won't entertain it, but it's a good thought exercise. Lori uh, from Kaysville joins us next. Lori, what do you say? I say they should have cut him off even earlier, especially in the early morning hours. Do you think, uh, do you think it sets a precedent? Is there a slippery slope down which we, on which we find ourselves now? Uh, not for private not for private companies, private places. I think they have the right to choose. Sure, sure. Uh, you said you think it should have been done long ago. Why is that? Well, I think that he has said some inappropriate things, and I'm not against Trump. I actually voted for him. But I think that he has said things that are inappropriate and haven't stood out well for his office. And, and that that fact or that characterization of his communiques have uh, is, is sufficient reason to uh, to ban him from the platform, huh? I think so, because other countries, other places are listening to him. All right. Uh, well, Lori, listen, thank you for listening. Thanks for weighing in. We'll now travel to Bluff, Bluffdale and hear from John. John, sir, welcome to the program. Uh, was the Twitter ban appropriate? Yes, sir. I love your show and the reason why it's appropriate is because President Trump continues to preach violence and hate, and that's why they did it, and I'm for him doing it. It's got to stop. Does the ban indefinitely into the future, is that what they should have done, or should they have held back and maybe extended it only to the inauguration? I would say right now, from what little I know, through the— inauguration but after that if they need to continue it do so it's kind of wait and see deal i see uh well john listen uh, thanks for thank you for weighing in uh now to fruit heights we'll hear from lynn lynn welcome to the program hi how are you i'm all right i'm grateful to hear from you tell me you think this twitter ban is appropriate uh no i don't but also i want to uh, say one or two little things. First of all, a guy in Bluffdale that just called, find it interesting that he thinks only uh, the leaders of the Republican Party are the ones that should be banned. Obviously, he's okay with the uh, burning of San Francisco and whatever. But anyway, my main comment is this. Um, I'm 74 years old. I am still running a business. And uh, that business has never required me to, other than make 
Google happy for ratings to have a Twitter tweet, tweet, tweet account, as I call it, mm-hmm. uh, or anything else uh, that is based on social media. And I have never needed it in my business, quite frankly. It doesn't bring much business to me, which is the reason I guess you should have it in business, but it doesn't happen. It would be very interesting to see what would happen if all 78 million of us, 74 million of us, within a week or two, closed all of those social media accounts. Yeah, it would change some ways, in some ways, some ways, people's doing their uh, life, whatever. There's other ways to communicate. We did with it without it yeah. before. We can do without it now. And I can both promise you that because of this fiasco, there are other entrepreneurs who are conservative who are now going to go ahead and start building uh, applications and platforms for those people who need it or want it to communicate. Yeah. It would be interesting interesting for sure if all 74 million of us quickly closed all of their accounts. Lynn, fascinating conversation. Thank you uh, for listening. Thanks for calling in, and best of luck with your business there. Uh, Lynn brings up an interesting point, and it is that we, you know, before social media came about, and you don't have to think, you don't have to think that far back into history to remember this day that uh, our, our communications did not rely, you know, so exclusively on these social media outlets. Can we relearn those tactics, or is the benefit? Is the benefit of such broad communication so great when done so via these platforms that they are indispensable? I don't know. Uh, Last call we'll have time for, I believe, is Russell calling from Leighton. Russell, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you, Lee. So quickly, uh, I think that it was appropriate. The reason being, you have to ask the question, are we talking legally, ethically, or morally? Great, great. Legally, Legally, it's inappropriate. Ethically... Uh, you know, it's there, there. Morally, maybe not. But getting back to the other caller's idea about communications, you know, we've been dealing with this for over two, over 200 years. You had newspapers, you had magazines, and if you didn't like what the newspaper was printing, and they could choose whatever they printed or who they printed, you could go out and start your own uh, newspaper or magazine. And we're still here at that same thing as you just mentioned. As an entrepreneur, I can go out and create my own way of doing communications. But since it's private, they own it. 100%. I don't. And so they don't – it's not the government that's blocking me from saying something. Yeah, Russell, listen, thank you so much for your call. Thanks for listening. And that distinction is very important. I, I think we will universally accept the reality that there is nothing legally prohibiting Twitter nor Facebook nor the other social media platforms from making the decisions that they have made recently. But there are secondary questions and other categories which we should consider. Is this uh, an ethical decision, an ethically good decision? Is it uh, in line with our morals? Does it uh, conform with the spirit of the Second Amendment? Those are the types of questions that we have to ask uh, as we see uh, you know, bans like this. And I say bans like this. It's not just the president. There are other accounts that have been taken down in the wake of the events of last Wednesday. It's time for me to step aside. Uh, I'm leaving the text message line wide open. If you want to weigh in on this, I'll be answering some texts uh, after the program. Feel free, 57500, the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, And with that, 
We'll say goodbye and welcome to the airwaves. Jeff Kaplan, as he brings you Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.